0: Lovely to see you this morning, welcome, if I've not said hello to you yet. Um, We are going to talk about the path to true riches, which I realise would be a great title for a Palm Sunday message, except I'm not going to talk about Palm Sunday. Um, But it would be a good title, because of course the way to true riches is to walk towards your death. Which is exactly (laughs) what you... there we go. (laughs) Thanks Matt, I, I I didn't think that one would get as big a cheer, but that is, of course, what Jesus did. But anyway, we're not talking about that. Um, and this, if you're just with us today, this is kind of the third of a little mini-series that I didn't know we we're going to do, but I've done um, about um, honouring. We started on Mother's Day, and uh, we started talking about unlocking favour, and how honour was a key to unlocking favour in your life, and I want to keep talking about honour this morning. So previously, I've talked about uh, honouring those who nurture us and parent us, which is much wider than our birth, mom and dad, because many people nurture you, care for you, look after you, Um, and honoring them releases a flow of favor into your life. And um, today I want to take that concept of honoring those who nurture us and apply it to Father God, and um, just seeing why we do that. So we're gonna talk about leftovers, we're gonna talk about robbery, and we're gonna talk about KFC, because you can't talk about it, you can't understand it, honoring God, without talking about KFC. (laughs) And I just do that because then you go, what the heck? (laughs) But don't worry about it till we get there. And we're going to do that by exploring uh, a book that was written 430 years before Palm Sunday, which is Malachi, which is all about honour. So, first of all, let's read this. This is the first few verses of Malachi. Uh, The word of the Lord of Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland, and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. Now you might not see it at first, but actually Malachi brings great hope. You might not think it from those verses, but it does. Uh, it's actually an incredible book of hope um, and, and the whole book is driving home the point that actually God has loved the Israelites, God's people but if they want to prosper they need to remember his principles because they've forgotten some of his principles and so you see God saying some interesting things to them but really God's, just, God's set the world up in a certain way and when you operate in a certain way certain things happen and when you don't operate in that way certain things happen so God's just really outlining the rules of the universe, really. And he starts off by the first rule of the universe, which is that he loves them. Because that's the most primary rule of the universe, is that God loves you. And he loves them. And of course, everything he says to them, he says to you, because it's, it kind of continues throughout the ages. So it, the first thing he says, but, but I love you. But they seem to have forgotten that, so he reminds them of their past and makes a really important point about honor. He talks about this guy called Esau, we looked at last week, Esau... Um, had a brother and his... What was Esau's brother's name? i forgot. <laughs> anyway, he had a brother. I'm glad to see your Bible knowledge is really good. Anyway, Esau had a brother, and um, I thought the dad was Jacob, to be honest, but no, Jacob was... Anyways, never mind. You can tell I've never... See? This is, anyways, this is not starting well, is it? <clears throat> there was this bloke in the Bible. He had a brother, all right, and he had a dad, and he was the eldest... But Esau was the eldest, that meant he had inheritance, a birthright. But he was a bit hungry one day, walked in, decided that he'd rather have a bit of stew than his birthright and gave up his birthright for his stew. And his birthright was everything that his dad had built for him, everything that dad had done for him, everything that dad had built up. It was his dad's legacy. It was everything that dad had created for him. But Esau was more bothered about the here and the now than he was about his father's legacy, about the one that had built it for him. So we saw, if you are with us last week, or you can listen to it, Esau dishonoured his dad because he didn't value anything that his father's built. He has no thanks, no gratitude, no honour towards all that his dad has done for him. And because of that, he's disqualified from the blessing of God. And so you see, and Esau and Edom are the same, by the way, although they're called different names, it's really about the same person. So into this situation, God goes, no, I've loved you, but but he reminds them honour unlocks favour. So I've loved Jacob. Jacob... Oh, yeah, Jacob's there. Is Jacob's his brother. Yeah, there you go. It's right. Well, you're all looking at it. Don't blame me. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Jacob is really Israel. It's the people. And then Esau's like his brother. And so Jacob's going, look, but I've loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. Which is a really strong word. But he's going, look, Esau dishonoured me. And when people dishonour me, it blocks up favour. I cannot extend favour to those that dishonour me because that's how it works. Favour flows when you honour. And it has consequences. Because Esau dishonoured, his hill country gets turned into a wasteland. And it's not that God's vindictive in it, he's just acting according to the rules of the universe. If you honour, blessing and favour flow. Dishonour and the opposite happens. But What's fascinating that we can tell from these words is that if we don't build on a foundation of honour, everything can come tumbling down. Because it says here, Edom may say, which is Esau, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says, they may build, but I will demolish. And again, God's not being vindictive. He's just stating the laws of the universe. If we don't build with honour as a foundation, it won't last. So we can say this, if we don't treat the visionaries, the groundbreakers, the leaders, those on the cutting edge, who will launch new things and create moments and environments and cultures and charities and businesses and churches with honour, it can all come crashing down. Because see, what often happens is that over time, those people who are at the forefront of doing new things, the leaders and the visionaries, they raise people up to help them. But if those people don't understand how to honour those who have been there first, it can be incredibly difficult and can cause some deep tensions. You all know businesses and churches and charities where somebody started something, they handed it over and it didn't succeed afterwards like it did before. Why? In nearly every scenario because they didn't learn to honour. So they reinvent the wheel and they start again. Which means when you are raising people up and this might be your children it might be somebody that you are teaching to do Sunday school. It might be somebody who you're mentoring at work. If you, do, if you, you need to teach them about honour, no matter what environment you are raising them up in. Because, mm. of course, it says children honour your parents, that it may go well with you. Well, somebody's got to teach those children how to do that. Mm. You can't just say a child, will do it. And if you honour in your own life, they will pick it up. Yeah. If you teach them the principles of honour, which hopefully will be self-evident in how you honour those who have nurtured you, And even when you are not around as much, even when you've passed it on, it will be in safe hands and will last because there is honour, favour and blessing of God flows. We must teach honour to those that we are nurturing because it's the primary way the blessing of God flows into organisations, businesses, families, churches, charities. And no matter what our position in the family, charity, business, church, whatever, we need to be people of honour. So if you're a part of something that somebody else started... Whatever that may be, it's important we say thank you. It's important we say thank you. So some of you work for Cap, for John. Well, you need to send him a little card and say thank you, because without him you won't have a job. Mm. No, but you you realise you won't be doing what you love to do. You all go, oh, it's wonderful working at Cap. Okay, well, say thank you to him then, because he gave his entire life for 30 years, so you have a wonderful time, you get paid properly, and you enjoy all the benefits. He didn't have any of them for 20 years. The truth. You enjoy all this now and I enjoy it all, but I didn't start. Did you start? No. Did we give like Paul and Shasta gave to start this place? No. Well, let's say thank you then. Let's say thank you. You enjoy being at BCS, sending your kids there. Well, did you sacrifice everything on day one? No, but they did. And saying thank you once and thinking you're paying your money, so that's all right, insufficient. It's not sufficient. This is Liam Parler back here. My yeah. ace friend's Liam Parler. I knew you wouldn't like it. And without them, without them, little daisies will not exist. It will not exist. So if you enjoy it, or you've worked there, go and say thank you to them. Because it's true, without them, it wouldn't exist. And they have only ever been an utter blessing in my life. And I'm so pleased they're here today and I'm speaking. Love you guys. You're a great blessing. But so if somebody started something we've got to learn to say thank you and not just once if you enjoy something that somebody else created honour says you go say thank you yeah. you know you go, you go to life group and somebody opens up the home to you they make you a cup of tea well yeah. you know they prepare they think about it they read this stuff yeah. well go say thank you then if you enjoy it you're going to go to a discipleship group where somebody will have prayed for you thought about it you brought some wisdom and life into your life okay well say thank you then and the beauty of it is when you do that, you open a tap, a yeah. favour, of flop. Yeah. That's what's so good. And they feel good as well. Yeah. Why is it so difficult? Mm. I don't understand why it's so difficult to say thank you and well done to somebody who created something beautiful for you. Yeah. But there we go. Honouring those who have created what you now enjoy is really important because, A, it's just a principle, but also honour unlocks favour for you. When we, oh, it's so difficult to say thank you. Why is it so difficult to say thank you? Mm -hmm. It's because we're so focused on what's not quite right Mm -hmm. rather than the wonderful things that we've got. Mm -hmm. If a son honours a father and a slave honours their master, if I am a father, where is the honour due me? And if I am a master, where is the respect due me? says the Lord. So you can talk about people on the earth, but actually you got put on the earth by him. And he's going, okay, but. So he says there's a principle here a son as a father, a slave on as a master. That's just how it works, that's how it should work. So if I'm a father and I'm a master, if. where's my honour then? It's a legitimate question to ask. And of course, the extent to which he's father and the extent to which he's master is evidenced by the honour you give to him. You can say you love him all you want, you can sing you love him all you want, you can say he's master as loud as you like, but the evidence for those words is in the practical honour that you give him, as he is outlined to be honoured. Because the whole book is about how you honour God. If you priests who show contempt for my name, it is you priests who show contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we shown that? By offering defiled food on my altar but you ask how have we defiled you by saying the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind, sacrifice, blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you offer lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? You see, God's first problem is them not offering the best. They offer the dregs, the leftovers, when the best was available. He wasn't that they were offering the dregs. It was the fact that the best was available and they kept that for themselves. If all you've got is the dregs, that's okay, but but they had the best and they offered the leftovers. Elsewhere we read this. Whatever you do, work it out with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is Jesus, the Lord Christ you are serving. You see, if you want to want a God, you'll be giving 100% of whatever you're doing every day. Because it means bringing your best. It means bringing your A game every day. It means bringing 100% every day. It means whatever job you do, and you're not cutting corners and you're not slacking and you're not trying to kind of do it on the sly and do the... No, you're bringing your A game, your best, every day. That's what it means to honour Jesus. We don't give him the leftovers. We don't give him a little bit of effort because we can't be bothered today. No, we're going to give him the best, whatever we're doing. Because he gave you his best. That's what Easter's all about. He gave you his best. He gave you his son. He's very best. You'll be giving your best energy, your best focus, your best efforts will be brought to whatever it is that's in front of you. And of course, not many of us manage to actually honor God that way. Mm. Because very few of us manage to do that on a daily basis. But if you are working towards honoring God, one of the things you'll be doing is going, okay, I'm going to give my best to whatever's before me. Whatever that best is. Very few people bring their best to what they are doing every day because they're too caught up in themselves and their issues and their difficulties, too busy blaming everybody else for the predicament they find themselves in to think about honouring God. But actually, you are where you are and he just wants you to put some effort in and do your best, whatever that is. Which might just mean, you know, going for a coffee with somebody and actually being focused on the person in front of you rather than everybody else that's in coffee shop and your phone bleeping. that's, That's your best. he continues to talk about other ways you can, you can read it all he talks about keeping our word he talks about being faithful in relationships he talks about fighting injustice and then he gets to this bit in chapter 3 I the Lord don't change so you the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed ever since the time of your ancestors you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them return to me and I will return to you We see this is, this is why it's a message of hope he's going look you've not honoured me very well but, but listen I'm not changing I'm not changing and ever, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away, you've not listened, you've not done what's right, but, but just return to me and I'll come back to you. So if there are ways that you are not honouring him, you don't have to worry about him beating you up because he's not interested in beating you up for it, he's interested in you honouring him so that you can unlock favour in your life. So many of us, we, and we go, oh, I've failed again, I've failed God again, but God's not like that. You only have to look at the story of the prodigal son to see that God's not interested in how you got it wrong. He's interested in a relationship with you and you getting it right. That's what he's concerned about. He's there going, oh, he's not, he doesn't say anything in the parable in Luke 15. He doesn't say anything about where have you been, what have you done wrong, blah, 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 blah. He just throws his arms out, welcomes him home and says, come on son, let's get back to it. Continues, But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under curse a whole nation because you're robbing me. So he talks about robbing God, he talks about tithes, which means a tenth, and he talks about, uh, well, star houses later on. So I understand what he's saying. You've got to rewind a little bit and go back to the first instructions he gave. Because the story of the Israelite people is in Exodus, they're in slavery, and then they come out. And Leviticus is a fascinating book all about how to live because they've been slaves for 400 years and if you're a slave for 400 years, you don't know how to live. You don't know how to treat people. You don't know how to love people. You don't know how to worship. You've got no rituals, no routines, no rhythms to your life because all you know is making bricks. So Leviticus is all about the rhythms and the routines and the rituals of life and of honouring people and blessing people. And part of Leviticus says this, a tithe, so a tenth, Of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord, it's holy to the Lord. Every tithe, tenth, of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. You see, if you're a people who've come out of slavery and you've had nothing, and then suddenly you get everything, you become prosperous, and you've got vineyards, and you've got grain, and you've got sheep, and you've got goats, Suddenly, it must be very tempting to come from a place of extreme poverty into a place of provision to hold on to it really tightly. But God goes, I don't want you to hold on to it tightly, that's not good for you. So I'm going to teach you something, and it's also very practical. So a tenth of everything you've got, that's actually mine. Because I want you to remember not to put all your trust in those things. I want you to remember that it was me that pulled you out of it. And I want to find a way to make the temple function in a real practical way. It's incredible when you think about what God does in these few verses. This is not about God going, it's mine. It's going, no, 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 I I want to teach you. You've come from poverty, you've come from nothing, and now I've blessed you and you've got everything, but I don't want you to rely on that. I want you to know that this belongs to me because I want you to remember me and I don't want you to get so consumed with this prosperity that you've now got. So he reminds these people that everything belongs to him. And of course, there are people of farmers and herdsmen and, and grain and fruit. So, so he's talking about their wealth, their prosperity. And he's clear that 10% of it belongs to him. It's holy to him. Holy means a sacred thing. Set apart from everything else. So it makes complete sense for Malachi to talk about robbing God. Because if it belongs to somebody else and you keep it, that's called robbery. So if it belongs to somebody and you don't give it back to him, well, you've stolen from him, haven't you? It's fairly simple for Malachi to go, well, you're robbing him. But of course we know that was written a little while ago, and Jesus has been, but it's very interesting what Jesus says about it. Because in Mark chapter 12, 17, he says this, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. And well, what belongs to God? Well, he's already told you, Leviticus 17, the 10th. It belongs to him. And then he makes it even clearer, because he says, "'What are you, teachers of the law, and the Pharisees, you hypocrites?' "'You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, "'but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, "'justice, mercy, and faithfulness. "'You should have practised the latter without neglecting the former." In other words, you're so bothered about getting all these laws right, because they have made it all a big law, that they're even going, "'Oh, I've got three sprigs of mint, I need to give a tenth of it, "'so I'll chop one into a third and give it away.'" Now that's what they were doing. And he's going, I'm not really interested in that. But the, 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 the weightier matters of the law, that's important to me. Justice, mercy and faithfulness. But don't stop remembering that of everything you've got, it belongs to God. Don't stop remembering that. He doesn't think anything's changed since the Vakas. And Malachi is really clear about what should happen to it: Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough for me. Do you say well, every time honour's involved, favour's involved? Once again, it comes with a blessing. If you will not, if you do this, which is all about honour, this is not about money, it's about honour, when you honour, there's a promise attached to favour. It's all through the Bible, which, whether you're honouring God, or honouring your mum and dad, or honouring your, your wife, in fact, it, it says that, um, in 1 Peter it talks about husbands don't get the prayers answered because they're not honouring the wives. So, so a lack of honour stops up favour. But honour just re- releases favour all the time. That's why living a life of honour just opens everything out for you. Incredible things happen when you honour. Honestly, I have got so many stories of incredible things happening because I've learned to do this stuff. Stuff just opens up. It's amazing. I'll tell you this one story. We went to uh, Anik a little while ago, and we went out for a meal last night. It was all paid for. By Sunday, we met for about an hour, two hours, something like that. Two hours, we had a conversation with them. That was it. And then they gave us some money there and then, which was beautiful because it was really, really tight. Right at that point in time, it was really tight. And then they're putting some money every month in my bank account. But they're going to Bible college. I met them for two hours. It's great. It's our little family fund. But that happens to me because I've learned to honor. I'm gonna tell you, I've learned that it belongs to God and what belongs to God is God's. And I've learned in every way to live a life of honor. I've still got stuff to learn and I still make mistakes, but I'm learning to live a life of honor and favor flows. I met those guys for about four hours. Honestly, about four hours. And they went, oh, we're with you in it. I'm like, how does that happen? I have no idea. But you have to learn to live a life of honor first. You have to do it first. I remember, first time we met the four of us. So I met Lee a couple of times. And he kind of like said a few things. And then we went for curry. And at that time, I know you don't have at that time they had a really nice car and we had our like really knackered car. And, um, and they had this big, little legs play gym over in Leeds at that time, and it was amazing. And, and I remember we went for a and I said, okay, fair, we're, we're going to pay for this curry because we want to one run. And of course, in the natural, it looks like I've got this rubbish little banger of a car, they've got this really nice car, and they've got this, it looks like, it looks like, because this is what we do, they've got this business, so we make all sorts of assumptions about what's going on and what's happening. But I remember, and I remember both of them going, no you can't, I said I have to, I must and I will. I don't care, it looks like, because I want to honor you, because whether you, just your experience is going to help me. But you see, you've got to do that all the time. All the time. Now, whenever Paul's in Bradford and we're with him, we don't let him pay for anything. Why? Because I honor him. I don't care. It might mean we don't have much money to go shopping with, but I don't care, because honor releases things all the time. All the time. But Malachi is really clear, because that's actually over and above anything else. We're talking about a tithe now. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. It's not to be sown anywhere. This is where KFC comes in, away. It's not to be sown anywhere. It's to be placed in the storehouse. So there is food in my house. Well, this is, this is his house. The local church is his house. And the storehouse is where you get fed from. So if this is your home and you receive nourishment, from the t- then the tenth belongs to God here, because this is where you get fed from. This is what amazes me. Lots of Christians... So they go to church, they get fed from it, they receive all sorts of good things from it, and they know that they're meant to give, but they kind of, they get a whole meal, and they like pay for half a meal, and then kind of spread the rest of it around somewhere else. Well you don't go to McDonald's and get a a whole extra value meal, and then go there's, you know it's four quid, and there's there's two quid, I'm I'm gonna go give KFC two quid now. Would you ever do that? Would you ever pay KFC for your McDonald's? So why would you do it with your tithe? Why would you do that? I don't understand it. You wouldn't go and buy a top in Max and Spencer for twenty quid and go. There's a tenner. I'm giving ten pound to Primark. <laughs> you wouldn't, would you? No. So why do we do it with our tithe? It's nonsense. Okay, let's get real practical. So your tithe. This is the other thing. All right. Which is which? There we go. So the idea goes into the storehouse, which is where you get fed from, which is the general fund. To fund what we do with a house, your tithe is not for the building fund, it's not for Paraguay, it's not for missions, it's not for CAP, it's not for any other wonderful charity that's out there, it's for the house. And remember, I'm not talking about your money, I'm talking about your honour. And we sung all sorts of songs about honour. But the transfer of wealth is not about money, it's about honour. And that instruction and the promise of blessing it just continues all through the Bible. Proverbs chapter three: Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. It's like this constant message: Honor begets favor. 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 And of course. It's one of the few times when God says we can test him. When we sow into his house, when we give back to him what rightly belongs to him, he promises that blessing will flow. He doesn't say that blessing will be financial. He just says blessing will flow. Because when you honour, you unlock a flow of favour into your life. When you honour God by bringing your tithe, by bringing back to him what rightly belongs to him, then you unlock a flow of into your life. But we've got to understand, your tithe is not your giving. Your tithe is not your offering. Your tithe is not your sowing. Your tithe is your honour to the Father. And it's returning to him what is already his. So don't think you're doing some great giving if you're tithing. No, that's just giving back to him what's already... You haven't given nothing yet. You've just given back to him what's already is. Tithing is not about your money, but about your heart. It's about honouring the King of Kings. It doesn't have to do with law. It has to do with a heart issue of submission to the King. And once you've got that initial response nailed, then you have the delight to give and sow and to bless. Which again, God said from the beginning, when you reap the harvest of your land, this is Leviticus, the original rules, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen, leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. In other words, don't get every little last bit of morsel that you can. Don't cling on to every little thing. Because there are people that need it. It was always God's heart that those who had sufficient, and if you had a field or a vineyard, you had sufficient. Mm -hmm. If you had a field or a vineyard, you don't need to grab every last little bit. And when you read the Bible, you see the incredible heart of Father for the broken, the downhearted, the poor, the needy, the vulnerable. And God makes it really clear that if you have sufficient for you, and nearly everybody in this house has got sufficient for them then you need to make sure you're looking after those who don't have as much as you. And your tithe is your honour to God, giving back to him what's rightfully his. Your offerings are your opportunity to express in a real practical way your desire to see his kingdom come on the face of the earth. That's the reality. Your offerings are your opportunity to express your desire to see his kingdom come on the face of the earth. Which is why... We ask you to give to Paraguay and to Kenya and Nepal and to the building fund and all these places because we go there to see his kingdom come on the place of the earth and we pray it will be your joy to see that come to pass. Now, some of you won't believe this, but one of the reasons we give you so much opportunity is for your sake. Let me show you why. I know some of you don't believe it and I know some of you struggle with how much we invite you to be with us in it but it's done for your sake because it doesn't really matter whether you give or not because we'll do what we're called to do anyway. So that don't, it's not really about me because I'll go anyway. I'm going to go to Paraguay in 10 days with Paul and I've already put my flight and if I have to pay for it all one way or another, I will. I am not going to stop doing what God called me to do based on somebody else's response to it. So we're going to go and we've always done it that way. All right, we've gone, we're going, and we invite you to be with us in it. That's what we do. So all this asking is not about me or Paul being able to do something, because whether there's money there or not, we do it. So it's not about me, it's actually about you. And it's about you going on the path to true riches. That's the actual reality of it. You see, some of you think, oh, they're asking for money again, and there's this and that and the other. But listen, I've done this job now for 13 years, and I got a pay cut before I got a pay rise, no I did, it's true I got a pay cut of 20% for about the first 5 years and then I had that for 5 years and then I got my first pay rise after about 11 years which was beautiful and I'm very blessed, so it doesn't really matter whether it comes in or not I've always done it and I'll always do it and it's the same for the rest of the staff it's just just how it is, so it's not really about me if there were no money I'd just keep doing it and go get another job because this is what I'm called to do I'd, I'd, I'd wash up in little days or somewhere or I'd go work at McDonald's or I'd find something to do so I could do this. It's not about me. I don't need your money, but you need to learn how to give to go on the path to true riches and to unlock favour in your life. This is all about you. But I don't think some of us realise that. You see, it says this in Luke 16, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So a small thing for Jesus is worldly wealth, and a big thing is true riches. So in other words, if you've not been faithful in doing what's right with what's little, why are you going to get someone that's big? It doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. And if there are people you see who look like they carry true riches... Now, like the kingdom lives in them and through them. You can be almost certain they have understood and lived these words because you don't get there without it. Jesus is really clear if we are not faithful in money, then we will not be entrusted with the kingdom of God. And we know the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if somebody's got righteousness, peace and joy and they carry it like it belongs to them, you know they've nailed some of this stuff because you go get this stuff. If you know they've got true riches and you look and go, there's something the Heavenly Father in them, you know they will have gone on this journey because and if, the, if you don't go on this journey, you don't get Because that's more about gifting and charisma. That's about character. And character gets formed when you do what you really don't want to do. That's the reality. And the reason I talk about it today, the reason we give you opportunity to give and it's all up there, blah, 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 is because I want to see the kingdom come in your life. And unless you've understood that money is the least of all things, you won't inherit the kingdom of God in its fullness. I mean, much easier for me to just talk about Palm Sunday and wave a palm leaf and talk about Jesus coming, wouldn't it? For me, it'd be much easier. But I want the kingdom to come in your life. And if you don't understand this stuff, the kingdom don't come in its fullness. That's the reality about it. It's never about us wanting more money or anything like that, because once again, we'll do what we're called to do anyway. It's fine. I'll just go. And if I stick it on a credit card and pay it off over four years, I'll do it. I've done it before. I'll do it again. It's not a problem. So it's not about that. I'll just go do it. As will Paul, more than me. <laughs> but the reason I talk about it and give you opportunity to be with us in it is to give you opportunity to become great in the kingdom. It's about sharing how to get true riches and how to see favour and blessing flow into your life. All through the Bible, it's really clear that honour unlocks favour. Honour those who nourish you and honour to the Father. And we honour the Father by giving back to him what belongs to him. 10% of all we receive and we unlock favour when we do that. And we set ourselves on a path to true riches when we give up our tight grip on our money and use what we have to bless those around us. And if you have been given much, and most of us in this room have been given much, because you've got a roof over your head, you've got a choice of clothes, you've got food in your fridge most of you, you've been given much then. It's so you can bless much. And I share with you, because it's a key for unlocking favour and true riches in your life, it's about honouring the Father and unlocking favour, and because I want to see the kingdom come in all our lives. I want to see favour unlocked, I want to see favour flow. But it's only possible if you are willing to learn to use what you have been given in line with the instructions of Jesus. And it ain't about your money, it's about your heart. And the more difficult you find it, the more you need to do it. You realise that in anything. The more difficult you find it, the more you need, If you find it really difficult to say thank you, that means you need to do it more than ever. Because yeah. it means it's a big thing in your life and it's difficult. And if you're not doing it and you want to start doing it, I realise if you're already, if you're going, oh, that's new to me, I need to start doing that, then to find 10% is a lot. Well, start. Start by doing two one month, four the next month, six the next month, build it up. Just, if you go, It's not hard to find ways to honour and bless God. And he is worthy. We just spent about 30 minutes singing how worthy he is. Well, if he really is worthy and it's more than a song... There's got to be a practical outworking of it in a real way. And the extent to which he's Father and the extent to which he's master is evidenced by the extent to which you honour. That is the measure that he uses. But if it's not a very big measure, it's alright. Because Malachi is full of hope. He's not wishing to bash you over the head, he just wants to love you. And he wants to see the kingdom come in your life. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word, the principles of your word. And I want to thank you, Lord, for everything you've taught me, Lord, and everything you're teaching me, Father. Lord, I want to see the kingdom come in all of our lives, Father. I want to see honour flow and favour flow in all of our lives, Father. I want to see more and more exciting stories, Father, of just goodness and favour and doors opening, Father. And we already know favour, Father, but I want to see more, Lord. I want to see the kingdom come in more of our lives to a greater depth and a greater measure, Father. And Lord, for those of us who who feel deeply challenged by some of this stuff, Father, I want to remind them that you love them, and you're with them, and you're for them, Father. But you want them to be like you. And you want to release them of anything that's not you, Father. So we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.